Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Hey everybody. I, I wonder this morning, is anybody else as insecure as I am as a person? Uh, here's the thing, I put it off I think a lot of time as though I'm really confident. And in a lot of ways, I, I maybe am a fairly confident person, but sometimes that confidence, it's nowhere to be found. Um, and I find that I ask some really funny questions when my confidence is down. Uh, when teenagers pick on my clothes, I act like I don't care. Uh, one time though, I wore, I wore some jeans that actually had jewels on the back pockets when I was coaching basketball. My girls ripped on, they just ripped me up and down for it. And they'll still, years later, they'll still bring it up when we hang out. And so the next time that I thought about wearing those jeans, I, I tried them on and I showed them to my wife and I'm, I asked her, I'm like, are, are these way too glamorous for me to wear? And she tried to convince me that they were fine, but she was kind of like, no, hon, they're great. But I could hear it in her voice. You know, they, they just weren't cool jeans. And after Crystal and I uh, had gone to UW Lacrosse for a year together, uh, I transferred to a Bible school in Minneapolis. And I was, I was lost and I was heartbroken at the thought of going to school without her. And when my parents were leaving, uh, after they were about to drop me off and they were about to leave, I was in the car and I was bawling my eyes out. And my confidence was down. And I felt like there was just, there was like no way that I could, I was doing the right thing, doing this, going away from school with her. And, and so in tears, I asked my parents, is this really what God wants me to do? And my goodness, they still laugh at me every time this comes up. And I must say, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed at myself for asking a question like that. Uh, but more so, I'm really embarrassed for the amount of tears that came out with that question. A lot of us, we've got insecurities about the future. We ask questions about what our future holds. Specifically, we, we want to know the answer to the afterlife. We want to know if we're going to go to heaven. <laughs> and on certain days, maybe it seems like it's got to be pretty unlikely that that answer isn't what we'd hope it to be. But I think that God has a gift in store for us that can give us a confidence that's even more powerful than just knowing whether or not we're going to heaven. God has an unshakable gift that gives us unshakable confidence. And this gift isn't just that we, that we get to go to heaven. Uh, there's so much more that, that God wants to give us. And it can, it can give us a confidence that carries us every moment of every day. And so to help kind of dig this out of scripture, I want us to go to a conversation that Jesus had with a group of people who were, they were trying to follow him around in John chapter 6 of the New Testament. And there's some questions that the crowd asks Jesus, um, and they're trying to get this kind of unshakable confidence from him. But to understand the full context of this conversation, uh, let me just kind of go back and, and get, let's get a bit of the backstory that leads us to this setting. So Jesus has just performed one of his biggest miracles. About 5,000 people had been following him around. Uh, They've been watching him perform miracles and he was healing the sick. And then Jesus went up on a mountainside to sit down with his disciples. And the crowd didn't stop. They followed him up this mountain. And Jesus knew that they needed to be fed. They'd, they'd been hungry all day. And, and so the disciples, they find this boy who had five loaves of bread and two fish. 
and Jesus has the crowd sit down and he starts to hand out the food. And amazingly, everyone is fed. 5,000 people. And when they had finished eating, the disciples actually picked up 12 basketfuls of leftover. That was a miracle. You know, such a miracle that, that they actually wanted this. The Bible says that this group of people wanted to make Jesus the king right then and there. And so he got away to a different mountain. He kind of he snuck away. And at night, his disciples got into a boat and they set out to cross the lake that was nearby so that they could get to the town of Capernaum. And Jesus didn't join them in this boat, at least not right away. At some point in the night, he went out to meet them. He was walking on the water to get to their boat. And the next morning, this crowd, this crowd was like a, the paparazzi. And they knew that Jesus wasn't on the mountain. They could tell that. But they also know that he, that he hadn't been in the boat with those disciples crossing over the lake. So you can imagine the, the surprise that they had when they got into their boats the next day. They crossed the lake and they found Jesus in Capernaum that morning. How'd he get there? So here we are. Jesus has performed some amazing miracles in the sight of all these people. He's performed this Houdini act and he's disappeared and now he's reappeared. And now the questions are about to come. What happens next is a conversation between the crowd and Jesus. I just pointed to myself like I'm, I'm not Jesus. Okay, as a teacher, Jesus is absolutely shaking up the confidence of these people. He's making them rethink all that they had once thought that they knew about themselves, about God, about the meaning of all things. And so by miraculously feeding the crowd of 5,000 people from these five loaves of bread and two fish, Jesus set himself up as the bread of life. So let's start this conversation with the first question that, that he gets from the crowd. This question number one comes from John 6.25. The crowd says, Rabbi, when did you get here? And his response comes in the next two verses. Very truly, I tell you, you're looking, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, the God, the God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Okay, I, can I paraphrase just kind of a bit what Jesus has actually just said here in this passage? Jesus tells this crowd that you're looking for me because I gave you food to fill your bellies. You don't really care about the miracles, though. You think that I can make your life better in some way. But that food isn't the end goal. I'm not all about filling your material needs. I'm not here to make your life better in the here and now. Work for food that endures to eternal life. That's what I'm here to give you. You see, Jesus is really sly. He knew full well that filling the people's bellies, it was going to spark their interest in a way that a sermon couldn't do. A sermon doesn't really excite a person like a free material gift does. How many of you would miss a Sunday of church if we offered a free meal afterwards? Or better yet, how many of you would miss church if we did a drawing for $1,000 for two families at every service? How many of you would miss that? Jesus didn't have to feed the crowd that day. They, they, they would have lived. They weren't going hungry. But it was an open door to help them see the something bigger that he had to offer them. So what was this first question all about that this crowd was asking Jesus? Here's what they're asking him. Who are you and will you make my life better? Now, does that sound like something that you've ever asked God? 
These people had seen Jesus do something miraculous. They knew that there was something about him that they were attracted to. They seemed to even know that there was something actually supernatural about Jesus. But really, they, they just wanted to have better lives. They figured he could make their lives better. They wanted to know what he was selling and if it was going to actually make their situation better. And they're like, sign me up for that if it's going to make my life better. But there's a takeaway from Jesus' answer to the crowd. Jesus has a gift for you that's promised to endure to eternal life. It's not that he doesn't care about your material needs. It's that there is another need that's more important to him. No matter what signs you see of this promise right now, no matter what signs you don't see, you can bank on the fact that Jesus has got an unshakable gift in store for you. Jesus' first priority has nothing to do with materialism. He cares about your soul. If you're coming to Jesus to be taken care of in this life, you're, you're not going to realize the amazing gift that he actually has for you. His gift is so much deeper and it reaches so much further than just this life. It, it's for this life, this, this gift that he has, it's for this life, but it endures to eternal life. Now, maybe that doesn't make 100% sense. So I want to go on to the next question that the crowd has for Jesus. Question number two, we find it in John 6, 28. What must we do to do the works God requires? Uh, and so then the second response that Jesus gives is in the next verse, John 6, 29. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. There's not much in the world that we get for free. There's, there's always a cost to everything. And, and this week I got my water bill from the city of Janesville. And every time I get this bill, a part of me dies. Uh, water should be free. When I lived in, in the Northwoods, we had well water. It was free. It should always be free. Well, so usually our water bill in Janesville is around 250 bucks. And this quarter, it was $361.65. I actually think I died for a few seconds when I read that. And if I didn't die, I can promise you that I, I whined a lot about this bill. I told my wife, I'm done paying for things that I don't want to pay for anymore. And she said, well, then I'll see you in jail. And I wrote a check out and I sent it in the mail. But I, I wrote it out with righteous anger in my heart. Um, there's nothing that's free in this world. You and I know it. Even love. Love is something that if we're not careful, we actually teach our children that it's a transactional thing. Um, that you've got to pay a price or you're not going to have love anymore. We've taught it with our divorce rates. What does it say to a child when her parents, who promise to love each other forever, don't hold to that promise? We've taught it through sports and academics. I'm telling you, it is painful to watch a parent berate their child when they haven't lived up to the parent's expectations. It's absolutely painful. We grew up almost predisposed to feeling like there's no way that God can actually freely love us in light of everything that we've done. Uh, that's what the second question from this crowd is actually all about. What is it about? They're, they're asking Jesus, what do I have to do to get what you're offering? The crowd is act, acting like this. Okay, Jesus, we see that you, what you're offering, it's something more than just something good for this life. This, it's more than just about food that you want to give us. What do we got to do to get it? Now, they're opening to, to this idea that Jesus is saying that they can work for something that's eternal, but they miss the part 
where Jesus said it's what he's trying to give. It's a gift. He says in verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. You see, he wants to give it to us. And so what's the takeaway here? Belief in Jesus is a different kind of work. It is a trusting kind of work. It's working to trust in the work of another one on your behalf. Now, that kind of trust, uh, that kind of trust, it is a work because it's foreign to us. Nothing that we know of in our lives is free in our understanding. There's always a price to pay. But with Jesus, there isn't. With Jesus, he paid the price. And the minute that we, that we veer off the tracks and start thinking that we have to earn something with him, that's when we're actually furthest from taking hold of this unshakable gift that he's offering to us. With a gift that's so free and so good that Jesus is offering, this gift that's an eternal life, the temptation is always going to be that it's on you and me to earn it. Belief that leads to eternal life is more than a thought. It's an action. It is work. It's working to trust Jesus and not to trust myself. It's working so that I stay humble enough to realize that I can't earn what I'm trying to earn. I can only receive mercy and grace from the one who is good enough to be perfect in my place. So this is a hard teaching that Jesus is giving to this crowd right now. It's, it's still hard for me to wrap my brain around this, and I've known it for a long time. And so the crowd, what they do is they come to Jesus with another question. This third question that they come at him with is, we find it in John 6, verses 30 and 31. What sign then will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, the third response that Jesus gives here to this third question, uh, we find it in verses 32 to 35. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you. It's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Okay, so let's get right to this. Uh, what was this question all about that the, that the crowd is asking this time? They're saying, what are, what are you going to do to prove it to us? What are you going to do to prove that you are worth believing in? Now think about this. Th these people had just seen this amazing sign. Jesus had fed 5,000 people from a supply of five loaves of bread and two fish. He crossed over a lake by walking on the water. Now maybe they didn't know that he had walked on the water, but they knew that he had gotten across the lake in some odd kind of fashion. And, and still, they're asking for a sign in order to believe in Jesus. You know what I think they want? I think they want assurance that Jesus is going to keep on bringing the material kind of blessing to go along with the supposed eternal blessing. And isn't that kind of just how we are as humans? As long as we're having our needs met, the thing, we're getting all the things that we want, it's really easy for us to, to keep trusting what God is doing. But honestly, I, I kind of almost hate how we talk about God sometimes. You know, we, we say things like, my job is going great. God is good. The kids are behaving like little angels. Isn't God great? My Vikings are having a great season. There's no injuries. God is awesome. Now, don't get me wrong. God is good. And he's good through all those circumstances. And he shows his faithfulness in, in many of those ways. But what about this? I lost my job today. God is good. The kids set the living room on fire with their science experiment. Isn't God great, though? My Vikings haven't won a Super Bowl in their entire existence. Good thing God is awesome. God shouldn't have to prove his goodness to us. 
God isn't good just when good things are happening. God's goodness through Jesus, it's eternal. And that's what Jesus is trying to say here. It's there. His goodness is there in every circumstance. So what's the takeaway here from this third response to the crowd that Jesus has? The temptation is always going to be to want God to prove to us why he's good and that what he's selling is worth it. What Jesus is selling is worth it because it promises our good beyond this life. The sign we've been given of God's gift to us that gives us confidence is not that our lives are going to turn out all peaches and cream or whatever dessert you like. The sign that we've been given that proves God's goodness, it's actually Jesus himself. When looking for your proof of God's goodness and the gift of his grace, look to the life of Jesus. Nowhere else. After these three questions and after listening to Jesus' responses, the crowd then makes a request. And, and I love this request that they make to Jesus. In verse 34, they say, Sir, always give us this bread. And Jesus gives an answer. He says in verse 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Once again, this is God's unshakable gift. It's Jesus himself. It's not the physical bread that he has um, the ability to miraculously provide for us. It is the person that he is. It's the perfection that he lived his life, actually lived his life with, that grafts, he grafts you into. You can't be perfect, but he allows us to take on his perfection on ourselves. On the cross, he switched places with us so that we could know and experience being made righteous in God's sight, something that we can't do on our own. He is our fulfillment, not like natural bread that kind of fills us up for a few hours and then we're empty. He fills us for all eternity. So what exactly was actually behind this request that the crowd makes to Jesus? Uh, see, I think the crowd is saying, they're like, dude, this proposition that Jesus has given us sounds awesome. We want that. We want to experience life from this true bread. But then the takeaway from Jesus is this. The gift of Jesus always sounds great, but carrying through with an everyday belief in something that promises only a future reward is still not for the faint of heart. I want you to watch this. The, the Jewish crowd, they couldn't accept that Jesus could actually be this great. Feeding them miraculously was one thing, and they wanted more of that. But him claiming himself to actually be the bread of life, like this was just too much. So I want you to listen to their disbelief. In verses 41 and 42, they cry out to Jesus. It says, At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I'm the bread of life that came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? And there's an unshakable truth regarding the unshakable gift of Jesus. And it's, it's given to us by Jesus in the next verses. He says, Stop grumbling among yourselves. Jesus answered, everyone who has heard the Father has learned from him and, and has learned from him comes to me. No one who has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate man in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. 
Now, what is this disbelief that the crowd is all about? It's the very disbelief that wells up in every single mind at some point in time. You see, believing in the supernatural, it is, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. If there hasn't yet been a time, there will be a point in your life where trusting Jesus, believing in him as being the bread of life, as bread that keeps on giving all throughout eternity, there will come a time when believing that's difficult. Uh, but Jesus, he gives us one final takeaway that I think is, is just powerful right here. The unshakable truth is that Jesus is worth believing in if you believe that he rose from the dead. If he did that, he's capable of giving life to the world just through his life. If he rose from the dead, then he has the power to defeat death. It, he has something to give to you that will let you live forever. There is no other question that you can ask that matters more than this question. Did Jesus rise from the dead? If so, he's worth believing in. If so, he is the unshakable gift that can give you unshakable confidence. So, so here's the thing that you need to be able to answer for yourself this morning. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that he lives today? If he did, there's no question that he offers you life that's eternal. He offers you life that's better than any food or any object that this world could possibly offer you. If he rose from the dead, he's the bread of life that we can keep going back to over and over and over again because he brings life from what was dead. He brings hope where it seems like there was only despair. He brings answers to where there once was only questions. And I want to propose that we do something this morning. Let's change the question completely. This question that we've often asked to try to get you know, some amount of confidence about our eternity. And the question is, am I going to heaven? Can I just say that answering this question, it's the wrong question. It doesn't give us confidence. When there's a storm and I tell my girls that as they're going to bed, they're kind of getting scared. And, and I tell them, hey, the storm's not going to hurt you. That does nothing to inspire hope and confidence in their, in their hearts and in their brains. Um, when I walk out the door, the fear is still there. But when I say to them, hey, I'm going to sit next to you while you fall asleep that's when they feel confident. That's when their little hearts just feel content and they feel calm enough to sleep. You see, they want me by their side. And if I'm there, they don't feel like the storm is going to touch them. Now, they may be, if they're sick, they don't feel like the illness is going to do anything to them if I'm there. And I don't know if they just think that the storm is going to get me and leave them alone. Like, I don't, I don't know why it makes them so comfortable. Um, but when I'm by their side, my kids are okay. The question that's most important isn't, am I going to heaven? If that's all that you're concerned about, you're not going to know what real confidence is. You're just kind of hoping to stay safe. You're like the child who's, who's scared of the storm. Nothing that will be told to you will give you the confidence that you need if you're just hoping to get to heaven and be safe that way. The most important question for all of us this morning is, do I have a relationship with the risen Jesus? You see, when you have a relationship with Jesus, when you feed on him as the bread of life, he's with you every moment of every day. He's not just out there ahead of you, sitting in a place out in the future, giving you grace for the moment that you die. Having a relationship with Jesus means that you experience the gift of his grace on a moment-by-moment -moment basis for all times. The most important question that you can ask yourself every day is, how is my relationship with Jesus, with the risen Jesus, how is that looking today? Am I connecting with him? 
His life is a gift to you and me, but it's not just a gift for the, for the end of our lives, for that moment that you die where he graciously lets you into heaven. His life is a gift for today. His life has the power to give us life in a way that nothing else can. Going after Jesus today will take you further than anything else will ever take you. My question is, do you have a relationship with Jesus that inspires confidence in every area of your life today? I want to pray with you as I close this message today. God, I pray over anybody right now who is just struggling with not knowing that they have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, I know that there may be some out there who are wondering whether or not they're going to get to heaven. But God, I pray that we would ask that bigger question right now. Do I have a relationship with Jesus? God, I pray for every one of us, whether we've, whether we've never asked Jesus into our lives or whether we've been serving Jesus for as long as we can remember, all of us have to ask this question, how is my relationship with Jesus? Am I finding my confidence in Him every moment of every day? God, I pray that you would, that you would grow our relationship with you, that we would look to you, to your goodness, to your grace. God, that it would be you that is giving us confidence every moment of every day this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.